crew members, and welcome or welcome back to At Least There's a Dog, a Star Trek Enterprise review podcast in which we will boldly go episode by episode through the Star Trek series that, whatever its flaws, undeniably has the most dog. We are your hosts, Mandy and Josh, and on tonight's episode, we will be discussing episode four, Unexpected. So, I think I'll just start off by saying we really enjoyed this episode. We did. And for maximum effect, we highly recommend watch this episode before listening to this podcast. Yeah, there are always going to be spoilers, but you cannot possibly get the full effect of this episode just from listening to us talk about it. And you really should just see the thing before you listen to us talk about it for this episode in particular. Like, this is actually a good one. Like, this is this is one that's worth, like, genuinely unironically enjoying though also a little bit of ironic a little bit ironic but yeah um and that actually brings up a really neat little point um if you have been thinking hmm i would like to watch enterprise the first thing you should consider is why if the answer is you want to just play along with us that's a great reason you should definitely um watch it if the answer is I want to see what this Star Trek thing is that people keep talking about. This is not the show to watch. I don't think anybody has ever thought in probably the history of television, I am interested in beginning Star Trek. Let me begin with Star Trek Enterprise. If you remember from those UPN promos that we watched right before watching this episode, this is where Star Trek begins. Wait, can I get the the right um, UPN announcer voice? Where Star Trek begins. Yeah, something like that. True. Yeah, but this is not a good starting point for Star Trek. Not really, no. No. But anyway, if you are watching it for the right reasons, which is mostly to follow along on the podcast. Oh, come on. um, It's not all that bad. It turns out you can stream it pretty much anywhere. I I did a check a couple nights ago. It is available (laughs) on Amazon Prime, Netflix, Hulu, C- or and CBS All Access. Mm-hmm. Am I missing any? Uh, not that I think we checked. Sadly, it is not available on Shutter. It is not available on Shutter. If you get this niche, super horror, creepy movie uh, streaming service thing, we checked. We we did actually check. Yes, but it's available on pretty much anything else. So go with you know wherever your heart takes you. Yeah, whatever you currently have access to, it's probably got Star Trek Enterprise on it. Um, Speaking of unexpected things, you might have also noticed at the top of this episode that we have brand new theme music. Yeah, our good friend Yvonne uh, wrote it. Yep. (laughs) It's it's pretty cool. (laughs) So if you yourself should have any music, theme music, other music needs, he is very talented. We have his website in the show notes. You should get in touch with him. So thanks, Yvonne, for providing our new show music. Definitely. Definitely. All right. That's all that out of the way. Would we like to talk about this episode? (laughs) Yes. Yes, we would. Oh, my goodness. This this was an episode. I, I just... My favorite moment of this episode... So this episode um, was actually written by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga. Who, who are, are the show creators and I think the show runners at this point. Yeah. No, like they are they are the, the lead Star Trek people at this time and they together wrote this episode. So we knew it was going to be something special, but we didn't know what kind of special. And 
I think we mentioned on a previous episode that Brandon Braga has a reputation as kind of being like the crazy kid of the Star Trek writers universe. It's not that he writes bad episodes, although occasionally he does. It's that he writes insane episodes. Yes. And so when you see Brandon Braga's name in the writing credits, you should be expecting at minimum a memorable episode, which this one certainly is. Yes, it was. Should I go ahead and summarize it for the whatever folks who haven't actually seen the episode? Before you summarize it, I would like to just reenact for you my favorite moment of this episode. Okay. Uh, The scene is in sickbay and something happens. (laughs) And as we often do... I will pause the episode. We'll, we'll, you know, just pause it when we Mm -hmm. want to discuss something with us. I pause it and I say, he's pregnant. Yep, that happened. Yeah, and then Mandy was like, what? What? How did you get that from from this? And I said, Braga. And I said, (laughs) okay. It was amazing. The thing that I was impressed by was that you realized that from Tripp having like what appeared to be a zit on his wrist. It was, it was, I don't know, it was just the perfect thing to happen, and it happened. This was a gift that Brandon Braga gave to all of us. It sure was. So in case you still have no idea what we're talking about, which would be totally understandable, we open on Captain Archer in the shower in the greatest cold open in Star Trek history, where he starts floating around with the frosted glass on the shower wall acting as a tasteful sensor bar because the gravity maker isn't working. Over in the mess hall, Subcommander T'Pol is annoyed because her seltzer water has mysteriously transformed into Starbucks coffee. Things are malfunctioning all over the Enterprise. The culprits turn out to be a small ship of a species called Xerillians, shortish, shortish reptilian aliens who live inside a Chuck E. Cheese arcade have already invented holodecks, (laughs) and have been siphoning gas from the NX-01's exhaust. The Enterprise sends Chief Engineer Trip Tucker to to go help them out, but Trip is distracted from his duties by a sexy Zerillian babe who sexily feeds him electric water-flavored jello. And it turns out Trip gets more than he bargained for out of his new friend, because he takes a little something extra back to the Enterprise with him. And I don't actually mean an STD this time. Is I mean, Trip it ready? Was sexually transmitted. True. Is Trip ready for parenthood? Can they find the Zerillians again before the gestation period runs out? How many takes of that scene in Sickbay did they have to do before nobody laughed? The star of the show, Porthos, gets a big bowl of puppy chow. That's a fair summary. Yep, it sure is. There were also Klingons. There were Klingons. No one cares about them in this episode, though. That wasn't the interesting part. No. They were mildly amusing, but everything else going on was even more amusing. Ah, Brandon, I knew you wouldn't disappoint us. This episode (laughs) was great. It, it, It had just perfect pacing. Like, this was... This is a kind of a weird episode in that, like, the, the cold open was just a shower scene. Yeah. Like, the cold open, it goes into the opening credits with Archer, like, on the shower floor looking mildly annoyed, but also having the same facial expression he always does. Yeah, because Scott Bakula still only has a, one facial expression. Um, and then, like, they, they find the problem. Uh, then there's this really, like... Like you said, Chuck E. Cheese, but like it's trippy and mm-hmm. weird and like fascinating set design. 
And yeah, it seems like uh, Trip Tucker is going to get his mind messed with a lot over the course of this first season. I don't mind. This, by the way, for, for those counting, this is like the, I think this is the turning point. This is the point where, where we can tell Trip from Malcolm Reed. Yeah. At yeah. no point was like, is that Trip or Malcolm? No. I was able to tell them apart. I mean, it helped the Malcolms in this episode for like two minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's a trip episode coming immediately on the heels of another trip episode. But still, they were very distinct. And you know who does not have only one facial expression that he can make? Connor Trenier. Yeah. Whose name I remembered this time. I think Impressive. that has been perpetually annoying me about the show from the very beginning is that it officially broke the trend of including the character names along with the actor names in the opening credits. Yes. And so when you just go through the opening credits and see all the names, like I know this is kind of how we do things now, but uh, it meant that uh, it took a little bit longer to piece together who was doing what. And it also makes the actors' names just a tiny bit harder to remember. So I wish they had kept doing it the way that they used to. Mm-hmm. Like, no, the Orville still does it that way, and I well, super appreciate the, the that. The Orville is, is an intentional throwback to late 80s, early 90s Star Trek. It is, yes. The Orville is a Star Trek show from the late 80s and early 90s, even though it's happening now. It's also good. If you're not watching the, or- the Orville, you should be watching the Orville. It's okay that to... To be disappointed in some episodes. Some of them are actually pretty bad. But well, some of them are great. Some episodes of every Star Trek series are pretty bad. Touche. <laughs> Did I use that right? Uh, sure. Okay. We will say yes. So, yeah. They, the thing is, the thing that, that kind of made that moment in sickbay so great is... Oh my god. He fixed everything and came back to the ship. And we're like halfway done the episode and yet we felt like we had a full satisfying journey because it was just like mile a minute interesting like yeah because like the first half of the episode is basically a trip tucker fish out of water story where he gets sent over to this alien ship and as it turns out these aliens are really really alien to the extent that like he can't even process the inside of their ship yeah when he first comes in which is actually what happens in a Chuck E. Cheese. You go in there, there are so many flashing lights and sounds, Mm -hmm. and children everywhere. Short people. Short people. Like the... uh... Short people everywhere. Yeah. Um, They have fewer scales, though. They do, usually. Yeah. Um, But yeah, he was suffering from Chuck E. Cheese syndrome, but, Mm -hmm. you know, turns out sleeping helps take care of that. Yeah, and at first he was going to be dumb and, like, wasn't taking anybody's recommendations of, like, would you maybe like to take a nap? before you get to work because you don't look like you're feeling very well. And he goes into the uh, the machine room where the problem is and there's like flashing green lights everywhere. And uh, this episode was directed by Mike Vehar, who is a frequent Star Trek and just general science fiction television veteran. He's directed a bunch of episodes of most of the Star Treks. He directed episodes of Babylon 5 and Quantum Leap and Fantasy Island. And he's just like been pretty much everywhere since the early 80s. Um, and normally I associate him with like kind of horror thriller sci-fi episodes. Those are the ones that I usually remember as being his. But he's generally just a really good TV director. And he does a great job of making that machine room unsettling through a combination of those lights and angles that are just slightly off. And I feel like to to put together that alien ship, like, 
where did they, they just like must have found pieces of set from everywhere just like yeah. put it together with lots of weird light. It, it, it worked really well. Yeah, so as I mentioned in the summary, these aliens have holodeck technology already. They seem to generally just be a really sensory species, like sensory interaction is a big deal to them. So it sort of makes sense that they would have prioritized being able to have those experiences even when they're out in space. Their holodeck is a glittery disco spider web room. I couldn't describe it better. If you don't understand what that means, go watch the episode or look at a picture of their holodeck because that is what it is. It's a glittery disco spider room. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, but he comes back to sickbay after all this and he's had a journey. Yeah. He has had his own, you know, denouement and all those things and it's a satisfying character arc and for the he, episode. He made some friends, and yeah, he, he feels like he understands their culture a little better. He went from being like, please get me out of here, to like, I'm so glad I stayed. That was cool. It, it was very satisfying. And you're like, what's going to happen now? Oh! <laughs> oh! Yep. He's pregnant. He's pregnant. <laughs> So he discovers that he's pregnant because he's having lunch with uh, with Malcolm and discovers that uh, there's a little thing that kind of looks like a pimple on the inside of his arm. So he goes to Dr. Phlox to get it checked out. And in the most just amazingly excited doctor, matter-of-fact tone of voice, Dr. Phlox announces to him that it is a nipple, which he has apparently grown on his wrist because he is pregnant with an alien baby. Yep. So it turns out that in this species, uh, the females are entirely responsible for the genetic material of the offspring and just kind of implant it into the males, seahorse style. I don't think that's exactly how seahorses do it, but see, but uh, seahorse males do carry the babies. Yeah. Um, so Trip became her seahorse without realizing it because they played a game together. To the show's credit, like... It was actually fairly tasteful. It was. Like, yeah, dealing with unwanted pregnancies is kind of, like, touchy. But they, everyone was nice, except for T'Pol. T'Pol was kind of a jerk about it. Kind of, yeah. Um, but, like... And the Klingons laughed at him a lot. But, to be fair, we'd laugh we, at we him laughed a lot at too. at this yeah. point. But, you know, like, it, it actually holds up as a... a male pregnancy comedy. And Connor Trenier just had the greatest range of long-suffering, resigned-to-my-fate sort of faces. Mm -hmm. They could have played this as way more slapstick than they did, but I think it was actually more effective with with Connor Trenier kind of playing this off as, like, apparently this always happens to me. (laughs) This is my fate. Yeah. I guess this is how it is for me now. Yeah. And so then there's like a whole second episode about pregnancy time. About pregnancy time and about them trying to hunt down the Zerillians so that they can maybe help out, not saddle trip with an alien baby forever. Yeah. Then the Klingons come in and whatever. Yeah. So yeah, it was fun. Uh, pros and cons? Sure, pros and cons. All right. What do we have here? Uh, We'll start with pros. My pros list is longer this time. Uh, You want to start? Okay, sure. I'm going to talk about something that we haven't talked about at all yet. Okay. Control panels. 
like something about this episode i mean it's been there the whole time like the sets are really cool they obviously took a lot of inspiration i think from the u.s space shuttle um for designing the controls on their shuttle pod and on the bridge but the the way the camera work was it really showed it off mm -hmm. and i i mean it just made the shot so interesting like mm -hmm. there's so many controls on all of these things on all the surfaces and i just really liked how it looked and i thought this episode showed it off really well yeah the production design continues to be just really really good um so i already kind of mentioned this but it bears mentioning again the aliens were really alien like more alien than a lot of star trek aliens are so one of the first like things that we learn about them when trip starts interacting one-on-one -on -one with the alien lady who gets impregnant eventually do you remember her name she had a name, but it was kind of like generic Star Trek alien name. I don't so. remember what it was. Keep going, though. Okay, I'll let you you're going to look it up. Um, but we find out that this species doesn't drink water, and they, in fact, don't have water on their planet. And so they have to synthesize water for Trip to drink, and the best that they can do with the materials that they have available is this, like, synthetic water jello that kind of looks like ice cubes, but then you realize that it's jiggling around. And apparently it does what it needs to do, because uh, Trip likes it a lot. But uh, it was definitely an alien experience, and just the way that their environment is set up, where it is so alien that a human can't function without extensive preparation in that environment, was really cool. And then there was that uh, moment where they walked by the tank full of space eels yep. that I guess were not swimming in water, because they don't have any water, but it sure there, looked like they were swimming in water. There are lots of fluids in this world. There are, true. There are there lots, are lots of, of optically transparent fluids in this world. Yeah, true. Um, but anyway, they got a tank full of space eels on their ship, which was also kind of neat. Um, but yeah, just uh, the show continues to uh, do a good job of making this experience feel new even though there's a lot of Star Trek behind us. Like, this is supposed to be going all back to the beginning, and they're doing a really good job of making this not seem tired. Yeah. Um, her name is Alen. Alen. Yeah, that's... Come on, Star Trek, do better. I mean, they're gonna run... Like, how do you do better? I, I guess, do you just have, like, a bag of syllables, and you shake it up and pull a few out and see what's good? I guess... Um, I don't know how you come up with names. Yeah, I mean, that's probably about as good as you can do. At some point, you could maybe come across a species where, like, they don't have names. Or, uh... Maybe we will. Yeah. I mean, we have, but, like... Or, like, you could not physically say our se names. Yeah, that would be interesting. But, like, you know, seven of nine tertiary adjuncts of Unimatrix Zero, or... Zero one is not... Yeah, but she's got a name. Her name is Seven. Well, she got a name eventually. Anyway. Yeah. Or Hugh. You know, like you, you give them names if they don't have names before. Because humans case, like names. In any case, it was fine. She was cool, even if her name's kind of generic. Yeah. Um, and uh, also, she and uh, Connor Trinier had really, really good chemistry. They did. I like them together. Definitely. Um, and I liked everyone's reaction to the holodeck. Yes. Uh, first, you know, uh, Trip's reaction on there, like, 
the parallax is amazing. Like he's thinking of this in terms of, you know, non-magical holographic technology. Mm -hmm. And that was really neat. And then everyone on the ship is thinking the things that you should think. Like, man, just I would spend all my time on that. Mm -hmm. well, and then Malcolm Reed just immediately realizes that if they had that on the ship, everyone would use it for porn. He didn't say it, but you could tell because he was acting. He strongly implies it, and he was acting, and also Trip immediately understands what he's implying and mm -hmm. says he's not sure that it can create people. Yeah. But hey, more limitations. It's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess it's just like, it feels like even more of a breath of fresh air after seeing just... I hate to keep ragging on shows that I really genuinely don't hate, but after a couple of shows that have just steadfastly and stubbornly failed to maintain their own limitations, it's kind of <laughs> nice to see this one trying yeah. and succeeding more often than it doesn't. Uh, what else did you have? I think that's most of, oddly enough, most of it for the positives because I kind of rambled on about the positives before we started going through the list. It's true. I mean, it was just really funny. Like, if you haven't watched it already, go and watch it. It's funny. It's a good time. Trek does comedy well sometimes. It does. It has a very similar atmosphere to The Trouble with Tribbles, which is one of the great comic Star Trek episodes. I would not put this up there with Trouble with Tribbles, but it was still very good. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, talked about Mike Behar's direction. That's always good. Um, Connor Trenier was good in this episode. Um, yeah. Like... There, I guess there were a few, like, um, John Billingsley was a lot of fun in this episode. He's always having fun. He is. He, he is, just seems like he's having the time of his life on this show. He is the, like, yeah. He's he's a fun character because he's like, I get to deliver bad news to my patients. Woohoo! He's just so uh -huh. excited about it. And he likes bacon, apparently. He, and pancakes. More than that, they've got bacon and pancakes. Yeah. This is important. It is? Yeah. Like, this is this is the sort of thing that matters about the yeah, future, that so. we still have bacon and pancakes. Yeah, well, it's like, you know, replicated bacon and pancakes, I guess, but... I guess. He recognizes these as some of the pinnacles of human achievement. As he should. Yes. So, yeah, that's cool. Um, cons. Con! Oh, boy. <laughs> you should just call them minuses. <laughs> Otherwise, okay. I'm going to do that a lot. Okay, well, that wouldn't be the worst thing. All right, minuses. So, I think the the biggest minus for me was the little Klingon subplot at the end. Like, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible, but, like, do we need to to add another thing where where you've got Klingons that shoot first and then talk for a while? I did enjoy the moment where they just laughed a lot at Trip when they heard that he'd gotten pregnant. That was understandable. It was like, like it was just kind of the script being like, let's pile it on a little bit more, but you know, it worked. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, there was, let's put it this way, the dialogue was uneven in this episode. There were a couple of lines that I really, really liked. 
So I had one in particular written down, and it was in the exchange between Trip and Alain when they're uh, when they're uh, playing the game, which uh-huh. it turns out is the species version of sex, I guess. Yeah. Um, which uh, that has some interesting implications that I'm not actually sure I want to think about too much. Uh, so I'm not going to think about them, though I will point out that he was like a like a diplomatic. Do, do you do that to to like visiting diplomats from foreign places? I mean, I guess like, even maybe if you think there's no chance you could get pregnant, like do you do that? I don't think so. I mean, I guess like it it kind of is hinted that their culture just takes a fundamentally different attitude towards sex than ours does. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we don't have to think about it too much. Yeah, I mean, different cultures, different kinds of sex. None of them compare to the greatest way of all, which is Ivanova style. If you um, don't know what we're talking about, watch Babylon 5. Yeah. But back to the dialogue of this episode. Um, so the, the little bowl of sex kosher salt that they have to stick their hands in makes you temporarily telepathic. And while they're learning things about each other, um, Trip says, you find me attractive. And then Alain responds with, you like having people find you attractive. And I thought that was a really nice moment between the two of them. Yeah. On the other hand, sometimes they have characters just delivering the cringiest things. Like at one point, Mayweather has a line like, uh, he's got that engine room running like a well-oiled machine. Yes, because it is a well-oiled machine. Mayweather, thank, thank you. Yeah. That was, that was bad. A lot of the dialogue was kind of like that. The, the, the line that stuck out most to me is dumb was uh, one of the Klingons at the end. I can see my house from here. <laughs> that, that happened. That, that did happen because they take them into a holodeck simulation. of. He's, the... a, he's a warrior. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, that, that didn't feel very Klingon. Like, I can see the site where I... Defeated my enemies from here, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that, that but... would be... Yeah. Yeah, I... Whatever. Um, so, the other uh, minus that I have here... So, the, these guys are so... Like, they've got some really cool technological stuff. Why can't they fix their own warp core? And why is Trip apparently a bad engineer? Wait, he's a bad engineer? Well, like, he went and fixed their core, and then it held for five days, and then it stopped working again. Yeah, but that would be like asking, like an auto mechanic from the nineteen fifties to come get your electric car working again. Yeah, I guess. But like, he sounded very confident earlier in the episode that like what he had done would hold, and then it didn't. And yeah, like I don't know. It's 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 very odd to me that somehow he's the only one who can fix it. That entire portion of things just sort of felt unnecessary. I mean, uh, yeah, it almost felt like, I don't know, I, I actually really like that there were no bad intentions here. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you wonder, like, okay, their engines won't work. They need someone from a different species who's never seen an engine like that before to fix it. This sounds suspicious. Is it that, like, they're trying to lure him in for a trap? Or is it that 
they stole the ship and so don't actually know how to use it? So I didn't no, see it none as, of those. I didn't see it as necessarily they needed somebody from another species to come and fix it as like there was something really wrong with their engines. They only had one engineer. She needed help. And they had somebody who could help. I guess. Anyway, it's it's not a it's not a it didn't keep me from enjoying the episode. That's for sure. Yeah, just that was that entire subplot involving the Klingons and the actual engineering aspect of it was the weakest aspect of the episode. Also, what is decompression? Uh, this thing that they made him do for three hours, where he sits in a room with some uh, fog machines going. It's something you're supposed to do if you're scuba diving and you get the bends. Well, yeah, but like. I I realize they're setting this up so that he's got a very strange experience, and I really like that. That was our dog. That's our dog. Hi, Lucy. Um, it's a really strange experience, and I think they actually did a really good job of presenting his experience. Like, I think they were messing with the uh, film rate mm-hmm. and stuff. So it was, it was really neat, but they never gave any sort of explanation of what was going on. No. Which, like, okay, but... Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not super bothered by it. It enabled a very fun plot. It did. Um, the only other minus that I really have is that some of the cast is still being criminally underused. Like, don't get me wrong, this was a really good trip episode, but it was immediately on the heels of another trip episode, and there are characters that I feel are still just kind of hanging out, not doing anything. And uh, I'm hoping that over the next couple of episodes, those people get to pop out a little bit more. Yeah, it would be good. Like, maybe Malcolm can get some distinct personality traits, or maybe Mayweather can do something other than get saddled with all the worst lines of dialogue. Yeah. Space Boomer! Yeah. Also, there needs to be more Porthos. Porthos was in one scene, and it was very good, but it was still one scene. I I think it was reasonable. You don't Mm. have to have every scene about Porthos. Dog. I don't want Porthos getting pregnant. Aww. No. What? No. No, I mean, I don't either. I'm not saying the plot has to revolve around him, but, you know. Okay. Let him come, you know, sniff somebody's heels every so often. All right. All right. uh, I guess that leaves the uh, bestowing of this week's Kirk Award. Um... So it was pretty stiff competition this week between probably going to be the two most uh, common contenders for it, Scott Bakula and Connor Trenier. Mm-hmm. Um, I think ultimately I am going to award it to Scott Bakula. I was going to say the same. I don't think Kirk could have pulled off pregnant. I don't think he could have. Um, I was tilting towards Trenier for a little while because his, his reaction to it reminded me a lot of Kirk's reaction to being buried in Tribbles. During the trouble with tribbles. <laughs> but, but, okay. as my notes say, um, Bakula gets the James T. Kirk Award for Best William Shatner Impersonation because his performance is 100% how Kirk would have handled it if Scotty had gotten pregnant by an alien woman. <laughs> yeah. So, that's this week's Kirk Award. Congratulations, Scott Bakula. It worked this time. So yeah, this was a fun one. Sure was. I hope the next one is fun too. Me as well. All right, so um, 
As always, thank you very much for listening. I think we have uh, gotten on to a few new platforms this time around. We actually are yeah, on now Google Podcasts now. we're now. actually on Google Podcasts. We were not actually there before. We are now on TuneIn. We're on TuneIn. Very good. Um, um, Apple Podcasts is super slow. We're hoping to be on there sooner rather than later, but we will that's let the, folks know. Yeah, that's the, I think that's the last major one I want to get on. If there's a platform we aren't on that you want us to be on, let us know. Maybe I should put the, uh, the podcast email in the description. That's not the worst idea, just, you know, in case people have questions. At least there's a dog at gmail.com. Yeah, so if uh, you want to tell us how much you love us, or if you need to be convinced that this is the best podcast available in your feed, shoot us an email at at least there's a dog at gmail.com, and we will do whatever you need us to do, assuming we can do it. I'm not making any promises. I will. I will convince you that this is the most worthwhile way to spend your uh, stay-at-home order time. I mean, it is, but... Okay. Yeah. (laughs) There are limits to the requests that I'm willing to fulfill. That's what I'm saying. True, true, true. Don't be sticking your hands in any bowls of alien kosher salt. Not planning on it. Don't ask me to. (laughs) Cool. Anyway, uh, if you do like this, please tell all your friends to join the crew and find us in all the places where you get your podcasts, um, a growing number of platforms that will hopefully grow just a little bit more. Thank you very much. And remember to always go wherever your heart will take you. Bye, everyone. Bye.